So I'm very, very happy to have for this early February Sunday, um, a very, very interesting interview partner of mine um, who's going to release in a strange combination, who's going to release two records on the same day. So Shelby Lermo from Ulfar is here with us. So thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we also appreciate it a lot. And the icebreaker question always is, what is the band merch that you're wearing today? This is uh, my my Succumb Exalted Disgrace shirt. These are friends of mine back in San Francisco that play a very cool, unique brand of death metal. I've always been a fan of their music and they're great people. So I thought I'd give them a little, a little shout out tonight by wearing their shirt. It's a yeah. cool shirt too. It is. And if anybody wants to find out more about Succumb, we got a review of our last record up on our website. So of course you should check that. Before anybody asks what I'm wearing, I'm wearing something from the other side of the states. Um, I'm wearing just a plain old Rosetta shirt from I don't know when. I don't know at which of our concerts I got that. Um, but also, of course, the question must be, Shelby, where are we catching you right now? Uh, I am in my basement studio in Alexandria, Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C. Okay, so Washington, D.C. or Virginia, sorry. Um, yeah. I remember that Ulfar is a band from Oakland. Yes. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, we were. We were until uh, about two years ago. Um, we're spread out through three, three different states on two coasts now. Uh, first... Uh, our bass player, vocalist, Steve Peacock moved up to Portland, Oregon. Um, and then I moved out here. So, uh, our, our, our drummer, Justin is, is still in Oakland, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're thousands of miles away from each other. And we actually wrote and recorded this album being thousands of miles, these albums, I should say, sorry, but being thousands of miles away from each other. So that was an added challenge to an already pretty monumental task. So tell us something about it. I mean, like how does a band in three states, two coasts, how do you write? How do you rehearse? How do you practice and record? Um, I mean, everything changed with, with the pandemic, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, our last album, Providence, was released in May of 2020. So right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but sorry, but 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 it was probably already recorded like way before, right? It was probably sure, like sure. 2019 but, or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The 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 point I'm trying I'm trying to make is that it the the album came out at the beginning of the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, and that means we had to cancel three tours, you know, 80 shows. We just wiped our schedule clean as a band, and we all lost our jobs. And all of a sudden, you know, we were being paid to stay at home and had all this time on our hands. And so, uh, you know, we started writing at home. I, I, I myself, I learned, you know, to read and write music. Well, I, I sort of knew how to read music already, but I, I made it a, a challenge to myself to get better at it. I started actually writing music and sending written music to Steve and recording demos at home and programming drums. I had all this time, so I was, it kind of went from, you know, we, we would write songs on our own and bring them to practice and work on them at practice, but it, it through the pandemic, we pretty much started, we were already working remotely, writing music remotely, recording demos remotely, me and Steve, I mean, and sending, sending the songs to our, to Justin, our drummer. And so, when we moved to different states, we just kept doing it that way. And what we'll mm -hmm. do is, you know, uh, every six to eight months or so, we'll all, we'll fly back to California and get together and and rehearse the music. Like I'm going back, uh, I'm going back to California to rehearse in about a week and a half. That's the next time I'm going back there. Mm -hmm. And we got, we got together and uh, yeah, before the before we recorded the album and albums sorry i gotta remember to say albums <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, we'll also talk about that 
Yeah. So that's we we, we completely changed everything's everything's remote now, like like everything else in the world, everything's done remotely. But uh, we we do write and record our music remotely, and then try to get together and like actually go through it all together. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine that in a way it makes it more complicated, right? But at the same time, I also can understand what you mean when you say like, okay, we are now changing the way we do it. Like we, we really write music, like literally you write right. it, right? Yeah. So um, we'll also come to that point but does that also, I'm pretty sure it also changes the music itself, right? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I think in a, in a positive way. I think mm -hmm. when you're writing at home and you have this time to focus on the music and look at it as music, it gives you a lot more of a chance to focus on the, the, the details and the complexities of the music, mm -hmm. you know, rather than maybe sort of rushing through it in the practice space. Mm -hmm. um, it, it does give you more time to focus, I think. And uh, for me, for me, I, I, I do prefer doing it this way. I'm sort of a, I'm sort of a hermit myself. So <laughs> I like, I like being down here in my studio with my cats who you can probably see in the background running around and, you know, play, playing guitar, working on stuff up in my own time, you know, it's interesting because I remember one of my favorite interviews that I did last year was with uh, Brandon Randall Myers from um, Scarcity, who is a classically trained guitarist and who also literally writes the stuff before going mm -hmm. into rehearsal space and before going into recording. But let me get that straight. So everybody writes on his own. And then you send it back and forth and twist and tweak it. And you rehearse it together in California. But for recording, is that also done separately? Or is that once again done the old fashioned way of we go to a studio and do it there? Yeah, no, this time, um, our, our first two albums were recorded in California, in, in Oakland with Greg Wilkinson, uh, because we all lived in California at the time. Um, this time what we did was um, we recorded at a studio in Baltimore, Maryland, which is about an hour drive from where I live. And so Justin and Steve flew out and stayed with me for like three weeks. And we would just drive up to the studio uh, up and back every day to, to record the album. That's how we did it this time. We, we, we did it all in about 15 days. Okay. Uh, and we were right down to the wire at the end. We were like at the studio at like 10 p.m. The, the last day before they flew out in the morning, finishing up okay. the album. So we barely okay. made it. Do you also then record for vocals there? Because when I spoke to Jesse from Kenmote, he explained that one of the things that he really liked about how the pandemic changed the songwriting and recording was that he'd do the vocals. He can, he said, I can do the vocals anytime at home. Yeah. Um, we recorded the, the vocals in the studio. Sorry, hold on one second. Of course, no problem. So here, everybody, you see, that's how life is here at Vale of Sound. You're being left for cats. Yeah, my cat, he was getting into some trouble. He was chewing, cool, on, cool. A, he was cool, chewing cool. on a wire. Um, so shall I repeat for question? No, no, I got cool. it. Um, cool. Uh, it, it, is, it is possible that I could, we could record stu uh, our own vocals. Like, I could record my vocals down here, but... Um, we were oh god um we we were we were in the studio already and mm -hmm. you know the engineer has much much better microphones and much better equipment than i have yeah. so we took advantage of that mm -hmm. um, so uh, being being a football fan and being right in the playoffs i of course have to ask you also the question uh, how happy are you that the Raiders lost and the Ravens lost? So you're you're sur <laughs> you come from a band with no football team. You're from yeah. a, from an area with no football team, and now you're in an area with not the best football teams. Well, we I mean we have the 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 Washington Commanders here. I don't really follow football. I just know the the Washington Commanders are like they were the Redskins, and there was this big 
uproar about the name and then they were just called the washington football team for a while and now they're yeah. called the Sanders. i don't yeah. i really don't follow football so i don't know how they're doing or how they are as a team um well but i i know if i i'm very much into football and uh, i know that there are people out there who say the team that shall not be named because yeah. of snyder the owner and everything that he's doing to the team to the environment and well, so, but um, yeah, Oakland uh, is an interesting place. And that is also something that struck me. Um, of course, doing the research, there is one thing that will come to later on. But would you say that um, in some way, Oakland, like the last 10, 15 years, got a once again really big on the metal map because of bands like Ulfar, because of other bands that you were in. Um, I mean, like I, I looked it up and there are loads of huge um, metal bands from Frisco, from San Francisco, uh, Veil, Pale Chalice, Extremity, Vastum, Ulfar, um, one of you guys was in Tombs, which I love. Um, but that yeah. is, of course, East Coast. So there is a lot of of good metal coming out of the Bay Area at the moment. Would you say yeah. it's a, a second coming, or has it always been there? I think. I mean, I think it's always been there. It's just a matter of like what style of music is mm -hmm. is popular at the time. Um, you know, there's there's a ton of great bands. You know, there's Succumb. There's there's always you know Autopsy has been out there for. 30 years or whatever mm -hmm. um but I, I mean in the grand scope of things when you look at you look at like the thrash metal explosion and the 80s right metallica and exodus and you know testament i don't i don't feel like what's going on now i mean time will tell who knows who knows in in 20 years how people look back if there even are people to look back but I, I don't feel like I don't feel like the Bay Area is like at at that level that it was in the '80s. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean it, it is it is a great scene and probably one of the best in the country, if not the the best for for metal. But I, I don't know. I, I don't. I just don't. It's when you're when you're in something when it's when it's happening at the time, yeah. it's hard to yeah. look at it with the reverence as as you do something that happened that you grew up with, you know, that, that influenced you so much on your, in your musical journey or whatever. Would you say it's also maybe good, that it's not the same level as in the eighties when basically A and R people were running around San Francisco and yeah, yeah. signing I mean, everybody. Course, yeah. It's of course, it's good to, to have a thing that feels like your own and feels yeah. like yeah. still feels like it's kind of a secret, you know, a little bit. Right. Yeah. By, by the way, I'm not sure if, if Denver and the Denver metal scene would love your your take on San Francisco being the metal city at the moment. Uh, yeah. Because there there is some good death metal and, and metal out there in Denver as well. Sure. And that I is also something Denver. that strikes me. Um, it, it's less of New York versus Florida versus LA. It's, it's, it's the... I don't want to say the second cities, but like the, the cities that are not as huge as some other American cities. Um, and I also feel as if it's good to have it in cities like Oakland and Denver, because the cities are huge. Don't get me wrong. They're very big, especially also compared to Europe. They're big, especially the metropolitan areas, of course, but they're not too big you know it's not like 13 15 million people living there so it's still a scene not one not three four five scenes but it's one scene right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we and and um you know um when we look at that and now coming back to you being from that area um you know You've already mentioned the pandemic. You know, do you think that the pandemic itself, as it changed your 
way of writing. Did it also affect you personally, like as a human being? Were you, for example, did you go through all the COVID shit that many people got through or were you less infected by it? I, I've, I mean, I, I've never had COVID. I'm, I'm one of the only people I, I know that hasn't even had it. Um, you know, whether that's a good or bad thing, I don't know, but mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely affected my life. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I, I lost my job. I, 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 I still work in the production industry. Like I work in audio video, I work at mm -hmm. live events and stuff like that. So of course that was one of the first things to disappear, uh, with COVID when people couldn't gather together was, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. live events. So my, my job went away immediately um and yeah i mean i i can't i can't complain about anything that's happened to me in the last three years because obviously such people have gone through much 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 worse than i have um and honestly when i lost my job and the government gave me money to stay at home that gave me a lot of time to do a lot of things that i never had time to do before mm -hmm. um so it was, it was almost a positive thing in my life. I mean, it was horrible and, and horrible for so many people, but, mm -hmm. you know, looking at it practically from my, my point of view, like I was given all this free time to, mm -hmm. to learn and play music and do things that I wanted to do. I just wanted to make the, the best of the time that I had, you know? So would you say that for yourself? Would you say for you, it's like the, the different the difference between a glass is half empty and half full for you it's in that moment half full because you just take the chance yeah yeah i think so and i i also you know i i i wanted to learn video editing so i i learned video editing and now i work as a video editor as a freelance video editor so you know it gave, it gave me the time to you know learn skills that help me mm -hmm develop my career, you know, outside of music and music also. So I, I don't know, I just looked at it and was like, you know, in a situation like this, the whole world is getting sick and people are dying. It's like, you can either, yeah. you can either give in to despair or try and push forward and like, mm -hmm. make something and, you, of it. and you definitely pushed forward in a very, very good way. I mean, as you said, there is like a burst of creativity when it comes to Ufar. You are releasing two records on the same day, on February 17th. Uh, was there a certain spark that ignited all of that creativity? Like, wow, this is, we have to follow this. Or was it just a constant process? Um, after... I mean, we, we talked about it after the release of Providence, um, you know, when we had to cancel all these tours and we had all this time, we, we talked as a band and we, we came up with this idea, you know, uh, and if this was the idea from the beginning, we we're going to put out two albums and we sort of looked at it as, you know, our first album Cosmovore was like half of the album was like regular length songs. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a very long song on side two. Mm -hmm. It's almost almost all of side two of that album mm -hmm. is one long song. And then Providence was, you know, like all regular eight, eight, four or five minute long songs. Mm -hmm. And we kind of looked at it like we want to do all of that again, mm -hmm. but double it <laughs> and and put out two albums that are m more than the sum of our entire career in until mm -hmm. this point. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, that was sort of the the foundation. I mean, we knew that we wanted to do it this way from the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. That we were going to do two albums, and it was going to be one one album with just two enormous twenty minute long songs, and one album with so eight one for songs. each side, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And Steve Steve wrote half the songs, and I wrote half the, half the songs. So each of us wrote one of the long songs, and then each of us wrote four songs on uh, on Anthronomicon. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that was the idea basically it was like, we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to do something bigger than our entire output up to this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we, we did it. 
was there ever an idea? I mean, like you said very clearly, it was from the beginning, it was supposed to be two different albums. But why not make it a double album? Um, we wanted to do something different, you know, uh, and mm -hmm. the, the albums are, you know, they're, they're aesthetically similar, similar, obviously there it's mm -hmm. one piece of art split down the yeah. middle. So we put the albums together. I, I, mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. It was our first, our first commission piece of art from Ian Miller. And I thought, um, you know, it, it was my idea. I talked to Ian and I said, Hey, can you do a piece like this where we can slice it down the middle? And he, he, you know, he knocked it out of the park. He did an amazing job yeah. on it. It's a um, really great artwork. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. Um, but that was just the idea from the start. We, like we want to do two albums and you can look at them, you can look at them as separate albums or you can look mm -hmm. at them as one album, but it mm -hmm. just didn't seem right to do it as a double album. Like, mm -hmm. Um, we wanted it to be two two separate things that that work together, but were were their own separate entities, you know. And I think you did a good job of it. I think both records can stand on their own. But let me ask this way: um, when people consume the record, when they listen to it, shall they listen to each record? separate singularly like okay this is anthronomicon this is helena helionomicon um or shall they listen to both as a sequence for you I, I i think people should listen however however they want to listen um mm -hmm. for me in my, my opinion is that um uh it's sort of designed where anthronomicon is Anthronomicon is a very dense and complex album, and there's a lot going on musically. And yes. I sort of see it as um, a doorway. So if, if people listen to that album and they can digest it and they can sort of understand the concepts going on and understand the music, it's sort of like, okay, if you, if you can digest this, if you can get past this, mm -hmm. this doorway, then take the plunge on this next piece of, of music and mm -hmm. see what that does to you, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm not saying anybody should listen to one first or the other, or, you know, listen to it however you want. But uh, to me, that that's sort of the idea is like, if you can, if you can fathom this first, if you can fathom Anthronomicon, then take the plunge into Helionomicon, because there are some really, there are some really complex ideas, like at the foundation of those songs on Helionomicon, like they, yeah. they, there, there are themes throughout that, you know, that connect to each other. And it's, uh, you know, it's designed that way, where if you, if repeat listens, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll find new stuff on repeat listens. There's a lot buried in there. Yeah. I'm like, not only because it's a 40, basically a 40 minute thing in two songs, but also because um, it, it offers a wide variety of elements. I mean, like already listening to the opening, I mean, like the first few seconds, that could be David Eugene Edwards, mm -hmm. right? The first few seconds. And of course, you also give us the version of death metal that we love from Ulfar, but you give us much more. But we'll come to that in a moment because I would like to know how did your record label react when you said, like, was, okay, let's do two albums one day? Yeah. Um, I was so surprised. Um, Dave, Dave at 20 bucks bin was like, mm -hmm. okay. He just immediately, immediately said yes. Uh, um, and I think that's just a, a testament to, uh, I, I think our first two albums did really well for him and yep. he was really happy with us as a band so he was he was down to to take the chance on it um and you know i i have i have a really good relationship with with dave because you know bastum bastum is on 20 bucks bin extremity is on 20 bucks bin um i've i've these are these these albums are the the seventh and eighth albums i've put out on his label so you know we have we have a long-running relationship um and it was cool. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting him to be, to agree to it. And when I proposed it, he just immediately said, yes, let's do it. So 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I hope that I hope that this taking the chance works out for him and us as well. Well, I would say as many people who listen to your records are assumably very open-minded. I'm very sure that they will also like what you did on those two records. Um, Sound-wise, of course, we have two pretty modern death metal records on our hands. Um, And, you know, of course, we, we see once again how highly skilled and talented all three of you are on the respective instrument. Um, but it feels as if, you know, as, as if we are at a changing point for Ufar. You know, it seems to me as if uh, it might be the way that those two records are at the same time an end to the Ufar that we know and a beginning to a new version of Ulfar. Is that just my interpretation, or is that also something where we can see you going with every next record, even more open, even more expansive, more different elements? Um, I don't see it. I don't see it as an an end to anything really. the the way The way that I see Ulfar and the the music we've recorded is it's it's always a progression like mm-hmm. i'm still very happy with cosmovore i i love that mm-hmm. album and i i'm very happy with what we did on it but i felt like providence was was a, a progression and a growth and we we were we were learning more about playing music with each other and getting better at it and i feel like anthronomicon and helionomicon the same thing they're, they're a progression from from Providence, they're a step up, yeah. and yeah. I so think far, that's, yeah. yeah, and I think that's going to just continue. I don't know what we're going to do next. Mm-hmm. None of us do, um, but I, I am I am confident that we'll come up with something that's that's a progression somehow. That's mm-hmm. that's an improvement because that's that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, let me also get back to it. You know, don't get me wrong. Everybody righteously loves the first two records you know that is not that is not something that every anybody should deny um listening to helionomicon with its two long tracks um it is a little bit more no it's not a little bit it's it's way more avant-garde would you agree with that yeah we kind of me and steve both kind of allowed ourselves to go kind of nuts with those compositions Mm -hmm. Um, and Justin, our drummer, way of was, it. yeah, I, I, our, our, Justin was not happy with us. Uh, <laughs> we sent him those demos, but I mean, you know, it, it's it's that's what we wanted to do. We wanted we wanted to do something that was like a summation of everything we've done to this point. Not that, and not saying that this is the end of a phase or anything it was just like we yeah. wanted to summarize yeah the progression and where where we where we've come from and where we are now um and yeah i mean we we do we did add some elements we've never we've never really uh put in our music before mm-hmm. and i think I, I mean from what i from the outset i i i, I assumed everyone would just when they saw, oh, two 20 minute long songs on an album, everyone was just expecting us to do it. It was it to be a funeral doom album, you know, like, oh, they're, they're going to mm-hmm. do some, some slow doom yeah, song yeah, for yeah, 40 yeah. minutes. And that was, we realized that, that people would be expecting that. So we did the exact opposite of that. We, we, we were like, no, we're going to make this our, you know, craziest, most aggressive blast beat laden, you know, music that we've ever done, you know? Yeah. There's still, you know, some slow, some slow passages and stuff, but that's, yeah. that's how, how we write music, you know. And there are also passages where you obviously, you know, step off a pedal and, and go into, I don't want to say ambient, but for for an Ufar version of ambient, 
right? Yeah, and you know, we've done that on all of our albums. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a good way to build tension. Yeah, right. And and here it's just a way that you use that kind of tension and it seems as if you try to see how far you can take, right? And that is something that is definitely a very, very cool thing. Um, what I also like is that it is obvious that you are three highly skilled musicians, but it seems as if you never want to show off. It becomes never prop metal, right? Yeah. yeah. Is is that intentional? Like, okay, we we want to we don't want to sound like show offs on our instruments. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a conscious decision that that we all made as a band is we, we're not we're not a prog rock band i mean i love prog rock um but we're, we're not we're not a prog metal band we're not we don't want to be dream theater um i we we dabble in a technical sound but i feel like there's enough chaos in the sound that it it never sounds too it never sounds too studied or too practiced mm -hmm. or 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 I, I feel like when bands focus on the technical side of the music only, it loses all of its heart and soul. It just becomes, you know, microchips. <laughs> it becomes just a, a, a digital salad and yeah. with no soul to it. And I think we realize that and we, we want to create music that still has like a feral feeling to it and, and mm -hmm. a chaos to it. Um, and yeah, we, we like to have some, some technical riffs, but it's not, yeah, it's never about showing off or, or, mm. or playing some crazy, we don't have solos in our songs, you know, it's, it, we're not trying to play some crazy arpeggio to show off. It's, it's like, we're just trying to make interesting music, you know? And, and that definitely worked on, on both of these records. Um, what struck me being a language teacher and history teacher, and I have to ask that, why do you think are there a lot of modern death metal bands, including you, that have a tendency for Latinized track titles? I mean, you got Larynx, Plateau. Okay, Larynx, clear, you know, of course. But you also got Cultus Quadrivium, Cephalophore, and my favorite when it comes to title tracks or uh, track titles, sorry, uh, astronumeral octave chance. Mm -hmm. Where does the love for those kind of words come from? I, you know, I think it's just that it sounds so cool. It does. And there's also, I feel like Latin, the Latin language has this connection to like, you know, the, the church and, um, that that religion and good and evil play such a huge part in in the imagery of of heavy metal that it just seems fitting you know to have latin titles that that sort of harken back to you know renaissance times or or yeah. the catholic church or whatever mm -hmm. but i mean the, the the short answer is it just sounds cool <laughs> it's it sounds cooler than than english you know yeah, and even though it's, for example, with astronumeral octave chance, it is English, of course. Right, right. Um, and there is, I've already mentioned the track title, uh, but there is one that I definitely want to come back to, and that is Cultus Quadrivium, uh, mm -hmm. because uh, it reminds me of the, one of the two classical schools of learning, and Quadrivium being the second one with four um subjects in it and one of those subjects is music is that mm -hmm. the reason why you did that cultus quadrivium like a cult of of music or is that just a different thing behind it that's part of it um i i i don't like to explain the lyrics to our songs too much no you I don't like have to. to yeah I, I, I just want the answer is yes partially that's that's part of part of where the title came from mm -hmm. um but i won't go too deep into it because i i think that's part of the part of the fun with Ulthar is reading our lyrics and trying to figure out what the yeah. fuck we're talking about 
half the time we don't yeah. even know. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but that was just something that struck me, you know. Yeah. Having also some kind of Latin background, I was like, like let I had to learn Latin at school, and and I was like, okay, mm -hmm. quadrivium, and you know, I also had to look it up because I wasn't sure whether music was in the tertium or in the quadrivium, but I love that way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, we've already spoken about the artwork. Um, and you said it's commissioned piece. Yeah. So the first two, the first two covers we licensed. They were like existing pieces mm -hmm. of art that we licensed from Ian, mm -hmm. but, um, but it's, you know, it's the same artist, right? It's the same artist yeah, who also done, did Cosmo. Yeah. Yeah. He's done all of our album covers, including we did a, um, a, a label in Germany, or I'm sorry, in Finland, uh, reissued our demo on vinyl last year and yeah. we licensed another piece of his art. So everything except our first demo tape, it has had his art on it, which I feel is like so fitting. His art matches the music so mm -hmm. perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but this was the first time we had the budget to actually commission a, a, okay. a new piece of artwork from him cool. um, and have some input on the, the creative process. Mm -hmm. So that was really, really exciting. Um, so really did you also work with him while he was developing the artwork? Not very, not very much. Um, I, I'm, I do talk to him pretty often. Um, we, mm -hmm. we email back and forth. He's based in the UK. Um, but at the time that he created the art for us, we, we just gave him a very basic, um, color scheme, you know, and said cosmic horror. Like just do, just do what you did on our other albums and let it turn him loose, you know, and he, he brought back exactly what we wanted. And I think we, we knew that would happen just cause, just because of who he is and how great he is. So mm -hmm. we, we gave him very little direction outside of mm -hmm. just, you know, cosmic horror, do, do what you do. And I mean, like, as it is such a great artwork, are you thinking of ever releasing both albums as like a gatefold so that you know it automatically well, unfolds like that well yeah we thought of that and um so each each lp comes with a fold-out poster of the so if, ah. if you get it on vinyl um i mean it's the, it's the lyric sheet also but when it folds mm -hmm. out and you have you have the entire piece uh together with with each each album Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I am, I'm definitely looking forward to, to holding that in my hands because Me I, too. I, love... uh, there, uh, Dave, Dave at 20 bucks spin was sending me photos of the vinyl. Like he has it and I'm like, send it to me. I can't, I can't wait to put that, that art in a frame and put it up on my wall, you know? Yeah. Um, so first of all, thanks for, for, um, talking about the new record in detail and you know whoever follows us knows that we here also like to have a few other questions related to the music and related to the band but um also a little bit beyond the new release and so what struck me is correct me if i'm wrong but i've never seen um or I've, i haven't heard of a collaboration between ufar and other other bands artists whatever is that something that you feel like um would that you would be up to but you know what I, I that you would love to do or is that something where it's like okay our music is already so complex if we bring in another person it might be too much yeah um we've never really discussed it within the band like bringing someone else in um i don't think we would be against it at all mm -hmm. it, it's just it's just not something that's ever come up um, because like you said, I think there, the music is so much, <laughs> so much to process already. Mm -hmm. And uh, we put, we all put so much work into the music that it's just a concept we haven't even gotten around to yet, mm -hmm. you know, but you know, the, the future is a big place. So who knows what's going to happen. Something that I always like to talk about is, um, you know, which other bands influence or which other stuff people listen to. And um, 
like one of my favorite questions is always like you can curate a one day five bands festival or five projects festival and Ulfar takes one of the five spots first of all which spot does Ulfar take and second which other acts play which slot um so we're gonna we're gonna open we're gonna okay. be the first band because i want to see all bands that are better than mm -hmm. us and bigger than us um it's funny that you bring this up because uh just a couple of days ago i saw that um there's this festival in chicago called metal threat that's happening in, mm -hmm. in april and they mm -hmm. just added a pre-show to metal threat and steve the bass player from Ulfar, his other band is playing this pre-show and he's okay. playing he's uh he's playing with uh ved buenzenda the region oh, band and i was yeah. like you son of a bitch like <laughs> that i that's a band that i've loved for so many years and i yeah. thought i'd never get a chance to see them and they never i don't think they ever played the united states before I, um, I think they've rarely played live. I know that they played live in um, Belgium last mm -hmm. year, two shows, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and and uh, they don't play live very often, though. Right. Um, so I would put them on the bill, maybe second. No, mm -hmm. second would be Dead Congregation. That's one of my favorite bands I've ever seen live. Mm -hmm. I love Dead Congregation. They would play second. Fed Buenzendo would play third. Uh, lineup is subject to change. Uh, Defeated Sanity from Germany. That's an, a band I've I've never seen live and probably my favorite band in the world. I would put them okay. on the show. Um, that leaves one more spot, right? Um, yeah, that would that would leave the headliner basically. If does I it have to? Does it have to be? Uh, people who are, are alive uh, it, 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 as long as it as long as it ain't Beethoven it can be active or inactive bands ah, okay okay for everybody who's listening to the podcast version of his interview um <clears throat> shall we just held up a, a cup of a cup with a queen logo not queen elizabeth ii no when we're talking music right folks so it must be queen with freddie mercury um they're the, they're the greatest of all time and i think they do great with defeated sanity yeah they would they would definitely um that would be a band i'm like i also never had a chance to see him and i'm not sure if i want to see him with adam lambert although i know that he actually does good yeah. um but of course that would be a band that everybody would like to see Either for the first time or again, I'm very sure. Um, so, um, also, you know, when you look back on your own professional career as a musician, um, also, of course, with a lot of, of, of touring biography, um, is there any concert with Ulfar or any of your other projects which still stands out to you? And why? Um, man, that's a good question. <laughs> it's it's kind of like when when you play when you play a lot of shows and you tour a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You come, you have so many stories and so many weird yeah. shows and so many bad shows and so many good shows that you mm -hmm. you forget them until until something reminds you, and then and then the stories come, you know. Um, but yeah, I would I would have to say some of the standout shows for Ulthar at least were um, in Texas on our 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 U.S. tour for Cosmovore, mm -hmm. um, especially San Antonio. I would I I don't drink. Um, mm -hmm. People drink way more than I expected in Texas. Like the okay. things got really crazy uh, in San Antonio. There was a guy um, burning a Bible, uh, and, and a guy with, who had a chain, like a length of chain, and he was choking people in the crowd while we were playing. Uh, okay, choking himself. It was really wild. Um, we played. Uh, we played in a a disgusting basement in New Jersey called the Meat Locker. 
mm-hmm. without her heaven that was a really interesting show um ah just so many it's it's hard to even call them to mind uh, on command you know um but I, there was some great uh vastum played some great shows in germany actually um we played the basement of a church in Göttingen. is that how you pronounce it Göttingen, yeah yeah we played in the in the basement of a church with a uh, grave miasma um mm-hmm. and that was that was a great show that was an amazing show um netherlands death fest was an amazing mm-hmm. show and I, i ended up in the basement of that venue you know the, like we were um our dressing room was next door to abbot and uh tom warrior mm-hmm. uh, and that was just a really wild night that was back when i still drank <laughs> but uh i think the my favorite show i ever played in europe was in poland i i okay. I couldn't believe how how friendly and how welcoming the Polish people were. Um, yeah, they are. I see just, it every it, year when I go on when I when I when I go on um an hour exchange program. I we always mm-hmm. go to Poland and I've never apart from the Filipinos, I've never had any nation nationality that is as friendly as the Polish. Yeah. Um yeah. I can imagine. So, um Is there a place or a festival that you would still love to play because you haven't? Um or maybe play again. Yeah, um I don't know. I I think it sort of just remains to be seen. Uh mm-hmm. I I I I want to have I want to have more experiences. I want to tour more. I want to play more festivals. I just mm-hmm. don't know. I just don't know when or where it'll be at this point you know one one question before we come to our infamous quickfire round um so now you have that double release with ulfar um what about some new vastum or extremity what what comes next from shelby lermo um extremity broke up actually a couple years okay. ago yeah. um okay vastum vastum has a an album written Um I'll be I'll be rehearsing with them when I go back to California in a week and a half also. Mm-hmm. So that's on the way. Um I I'm currently I currently play in in five bands. I I have pre- two bands that are pretty much solo projects and then three bands that are like in California with other people. Mm-hmm. Every every band I play in is at at some phase of creating a new album or releasing a new album. So everything everything I'm working on is moving forward at some at some rate. That is very very good news to hear. Yes. So, uh, Shelby, first of all, thank you for this and now our infamous quickfire rounds. You always get two alternatives and you have to choose like roses versus tulips. Choose one of the alternatives and maybe give a short explanation why. Okay. Let's start off with something simple. Sabbath with Ozzy or with Dio? Um I have to say with Ozzy, but I prefer Ronnie James Dio as a vocalist overall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but I, I think I think Sabbath the, the classic Sabbath years are are what matters for Black Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. I also the love quintis- the Dio album. The quintessential right? Sabbath, right? Yeah. And I also love the Dio albums, but you can't be mm-hmm. early 70s Sabbath. Yeah. Gothenburg in Sweden, Gothenburg death metal or Denver death metal? You decide. Gothenburg. Sorry, Denver. <laughs> um, speaking about bands with double albums that somehow seem to have like a connection to Dawkins. Um The ocean, heliocentric or anthropocentric? Anthropocentric. Mm-hmm. Black metal, true. Black metal or atmospheric black metal? Which do you prefer to listen to? Um, I kind of prefer the atmospheric stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of like synthesizers in my black metal. Yeah, understandably. Um, I think I already know the answer to the next one, but still. 
uh, writing and recording versus touring. Um, writing and recording. Oh, I would have thought touring after you've yeah. spoken so highly about new experiences and going out there. I, I love touring, but I love writing and recording more. Mm -hmm. um, artworks, a gatefold or single shell covers where you have like only the one slot to put in. Gatefold is is cooler. Mm -hmm. um, as you've mentioned, a certain love for proc. <clears throat> Genesis versus yes, and early Genesis. Not we're not talking about the moments when Phil Collins took the mic and and shitted it all up. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, I'm still taking yes over over Genesis. I would always, I would always choose Genesis because of the lamp last on Broadway. That is, uh, that, that is, that is a great album. To, to me, that is my quintessential rock rock album. I just yeah. love that one. But I'll take Pop of uh, over either of them. Interesting. Um, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon or The Wall? Dark Side of the Moon. Mm -hmm. What about Dark Side versus Wish You Were Here? No, the... I'm trying to keep my answers short. I, I I used to live in a house with a bunch of roommates, mm -hmm. and they would watch the movie The Wall at full volume uh, every night. So they ruined uh, they ruined that so album for me. They ruined the album. So yeah. if if you had the choice between uh, the Dark Side and Wish You Were Here, would you still stick to Dark Side? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Last question. Um, as you are wearing a succumb shirt, and let's stick to the flenzer for a second. Succumb versus chat pile. Oh, succumb for sure. Mm -hmm. But do you understand why so many people, including myself, rave about that chat pile record? Um, I don't really. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, don't worry. Don't worry. It never worked for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I saw a live video, and they seem really goofy live. And Succumb's great live, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like Succumb is never a bad choice, never, no. never ever. Um, oh yeah, I, I got one more. As we're talking about with somebody from the Bay, Bay Area, um, Mr. Bungle or Neurosis. Mr. Bungle, Mr. Bungle is is from my hometown of Eureka, California. Okay. Yeah. The my, Mike Patton went to my high school. Okay. Well, that's that's something to be proud of, right? It's so, in my blood. <laughs> so Shelby, thanks for all the time here. And um everybody in a few days, the record the records will be out. Uh, however you want to listen to them, if you want to listen to them in a go or if you want to listen to them separately, uh listen to them. They're like Death Metal Forerunners for album of the year. Definitely, at least in my case. Uh, thanks for being on the show, Shelby. Thank you so much, Torsten. So have a good day, my friend. Bye-bye.